0: Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, Also, when we conclude the service, we do have some food downstairs for those who want to stay and have a time of fellowship. We're going to be doing that as well. My wife wanted me to express that uh, the decorations for Christmas are still up. Uh, the uh, the lady in charge of that is still gone on her vacation, and she said some of that's mine personally, some's the church's, so she didn't want us touching anything until she gets back. So you're still going to see Merry Christmas when we get downstairs. Uh, we're we're not late. We're just we're just 12 months early. Praise God. And uh, so, Amen. First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 23. The apostle writes to this church and says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, we're going to talk about that word in a few minutes. Don't get too hung up on it. But uh, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the, blo- the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep, amen. Let's, let's put our Bibles down, lift our hands one more time. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us tonight and would you pray especially that God would just visit this house with his grace and power before we leave this place tonight. Let's talk to the Lord, everybody right now. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you, Pastor, you have a new way. I pray God, speak to us, speak to us this Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we want you to touch us tonight. We want you to speak to us from the pages of your word. Oh God, open our understanding tonight, that we might understand the scriptures, give us a new appreciation. What we are about to continue. We thank you, for it, Lord. We praise you right now. We worship you. Let's worship the Lord one more time, everybody. Let's praise Him together. Let's praise Him together. Hallelujah! Come on, let's let's worship Him. Let's get our hearts ready for the Word of the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. Now, as Paul began to write to the church at Corinth about this uh, sacrament that we call communion or the Lord's Supper, Paul brought to our remembrance the night that it all began. It was on the night of the Lord's betrayal. He'd met with his disciples in Jerusalem, and they had eaten together that night. Now, I I want us tonight to recognize and to understand what exactly they were doing. They didn't just call a night a fellowship. It wasn't just a time of getting together and having a meal, but there was something specific that they were observing that night. Go with me now to the book of Mark, and uh, this is Bible study time, so get your Bibles. We're going we're to look at some scripture here tonight, Mark chapter 14 and verse number 16, Mark 14 verse 16, and his disciples went forth and came into the city and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the passover. Now I want to show you that what they were doing that night as I said was not just a night of fellowship. It wasn't just getting together for yet another meal. But they were there in observance of a Jewish feast day, a Jewish holiday if you please. And that holiday was the Passover. And we see that that's what's happening. This is verse 16. If you skip down to verse 22 and uh, and read verses 22 through 24, it should be, I think, there, brother. Um, I'm sorry. There's a lot here that I should have marked this for you. It's the next page. If you we are starting here. So there was 14, 6, and then should be the next page. We're ready there. All right. So verse 22 through 24.
1: And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he had gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. All
0: right, so so I I had him read these verses so you could understand. This is exactly what Paul was describing. In First Corinthians eleven, as Paul was talking about this communion service, he pointed back to this night. The things that Jesus said in verses twenty through twenty-two through twenty-four are the very things that Paul quoted him as saying. As Paul explained the communion service to us, and so verse sixteen tells us that what they were doing that night is they were gathering together to observe the Passover. Now, you'll remember that the Old Testament Passover came about because the Israelites were in bondage. And the Lord doesn't want his people living in bondage. Amen. Now, it's Bible study, but it's all right to say amen. He doesn't want his people living in bondage. That's never been the will of God. God wants to set his people free. And so the Lord allowed the Israelites to to be in this time until. Their cry arose to him. And God said, I'm going to do something to set them free. And so he sent the plagues of Egypt. And and the last plague, you'll remember, a great darkness fell upon the land. But the thing was, the Lord said, I am going to go through the land of Egypt tonight. And I am going to be looking for something in particular. Amen. I am looking for the blood to be upon the doorpost of the house. And if the blood is there, I will pass over that house. Let's read about it. Exodus chapter
1: 12, verses 12 through 14. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment I am the Lord uh-huh. and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are and when I see the and blood and when I see the blood I will pass over I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt and this day shall be unto you
0: for a memorial.
1: And ye shall keep it in feast it to the Lord. A feast to the Lord, your generation.
0: throughout your generations.
1: Ye shall keep it a feast keep by it ordinance. A feast
0: by ordinance, forever, forever. Now this is what God said: I don't ever want my people to forget about the night I set them free. I don't ever want them to forget about the mercy I showed to them, not because of who was in the house, not because of how good the family was, Not because of how righteous they were at that moment. But God said, I'm looking for one thing. I'm looking for the application of the blood. And it's when I see the blood that I'm going to pass over you. And when I pass over you, you're not going to have the same judgment that everybody else is going to have. And God said, I want you, I want you to keep this as an ordinance forever. Now, we can talk about the Old Testament and what was done away at the cross. But I'm going to tell you, when God says something, you know, I hope you don't get tired of hearing me say this, but words mean things. Words mean things. And God is the one who said, I want this kept forever. Ever. I want there to always be this celebration of liberation from bondage. I want that to continue forever. And so it was in obedience to that command that the Lord and his disciples gathered together in that upper room to observe what we now call the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper. Amen. Now, let me tell you something. That day was a day of liberation for the Jews from the bondage of Egypt. That doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply, I don't think, to any of you. Some of you may have some Jewish blood, I don't know. But but as far as I know, there's nobody here that really falls under this category that you've got a reason to celebrate the Passover in Egypt. But we do have something else we ought to be celebrating. We're not here tonight Because he set us free from literal Egypt. But we're here tonight because he set us free from the bondage of this world.
1: John chapter 8 and verse 36 tells us this If the Son therefore shall 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 make you free, you shall be free indeed. Listen to what he said. This is a greater freedom than what the Jews knew.
0: This is a greater freedom than what they experienced that night. This is much better than just leaving a country that's been treating you bad. God has set us free to a degree that the world up until Calvary had never known and had never experienced. And I'm going to tell you, if the Jews had a reason and a right to celebrate deliverance from Egypt, we as the children of God have got a much greater reason to celebrate uh, our deliverance uh, from the bondage of this old world hallelujah hallelujah now you do know you do realize it was not a mistake and it was not a coincidence that when Christ was crucified he was crucified at Passover Because what had to happen for the children of Israel to be delivered was that a young lamb, spotless and without blemish, had to be sacrificed. And the blood of that lamb is what had to be applied. And it was only the blood of that sacrificial lamb that could give the Jewish people freedom. You understand, I don't care if they were children of Abraham. If they didn't have the blood on the doorpost, their firstborn died. And I don't care if they were Egyptians. If they heard about it and they did what God told them to do, He passed over their house because He wasn't looking at who was inside and who was under the roof, He was looking for the blood. And when he found the blood, that's what caused him to bypass judgment. And so when Christ was crucified, when he was crucified, he became that spotless lamb. He took the place of that Passover
1: lamb. In fact, 1 Corinthians 5 and 7 tells us this. Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump. As ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover Passover is sacrificed for
0: us. For us, Paul made it very clear to the Corinthians before he ever started writing about communion. He had already established in chapter five that Christ was our Passover. He was the lamb that was sacrificed. It's his blood that gets applied to the doorpost of our heart. Amen. That will allow us to escape the judgment to come. And I'm telling you, just as the Old Testament Passover was a time of celebrating freedom from bondage, the New Testament communion service ought to be a celebration as well. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, if you you stop and think about what those Jews had to go through until Passover, if you think about the harsh taskmasters they had to serve until Passover. But once the Lord passed over their house, it wasn't just that the firstborn was spared, but that night, in fact, he told them, he said, I want you to eat dressed and ready to go. I don't want you to have to go back and pack your bags. I want you because when I pass over your house, we're getting out of here. We're leaving Egypt behind. Oh, hallelujah. We're going to get away from all the bondage and all the slavery. We're walking away from all of that. Can you imagine the anticipation in their heart? Tonight, we leave Egypt. Tonight, we get out of here. No more whips on our backs. No more slaps across our faces. Tonight. It's over. Tonight, everything changes. Tonight, the tables turn. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. In fact, the Bible says they spoiled the Egyptians. They went through and took things of value from the Egyptians when they left that night. And they said the Egyptians were willing to give it to them. They wanted them out of there. We don't want you around here anymore. So they're giving up all their valuables. They're walking. They went from slaves within moments to being wealthy They walked into the blessing of God when they walked out of the bondage of the devil. I'm telling you, it was a time of celebration. And saints of God, I'm afraid sometimes, especially when we've been living for God for a while, we forget about how good God was to find us in our sins. We forget about what it was like when the devil was slapping us around and had his chains on our hands and our feet. We forget about what God did that night we knelt at an altar and repented of our sins. We forget about what happened when we were In the name of Jesus in water baptism, we forget about what happened the night he filled us with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, we need to go back tonight and remember, I've been set free. I'm not what I used to be. I may not be all I want to be, but I'm not what I used to be. And it's because of the blood of the Lamb. It's been applied to my Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this ought to be a time of celebration. It ought to be something we look forward to. I'm telling you, it's it's really Holy Ghost party time. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. You can't tell it like I can tell it what he's done for me. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And so what we're going to do in just a few moments, we're going to be having a time of celebration and we're going to come back and remember again, just how gracious God has been in saving us. Well, hallelujah. Now, before we go any further, I do need to talk to you just a little bit about what happened that night and what, what they did and, and, and the significance of what happened. I've, I've brought this out before, but bear with me tonight. I want you to understand how important a symbol is to God. That when God establishes a symbol, that God honors that symbol and God treats the symbol as the real. Let me prove it to you. Numbers chapter 20. And uh, let's start with verse 7. Numbers 20, verse 7. And let's read through verse 12.
1: And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the right, rod. Now, now,
0: now hang on, hang on. Take the rod, he said. I want you to take the rod. But, but he said, I, I, I want you to, to do what? Speak. I want you to speak. To this rock, You're going to have the rod in your hand. But when you get there, I want you to speak to this rock before their eyes. And what's going to happen?
1: And it shall give forth his water. And the rock's going to give forth water. And thou shalt bring forth to them the water out of the rock, so uh-huh. thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink.
0: Yeah, now God made it clear. Take the rod in your hand. But when you get there, speak to that rock. Tell it what you want. And God's going to open it up and give you water. Now, now you understand, they'd already been to this place once before. They, they'd already wandered in the wilderness for many years and they had come to this very rock one other time. And when they came that time, the first time, God said to Moses, take the rod and smite the rock. And when he smote the rock, the rock clave into. And the water gushed forth the rock was smitten and it gave its water. But now they've come back a second time and they're in need of water again. And God says, now Moses, take that same rod. But this time the instructions are different. I just want you to speak to the rock. And when you speak to it, water's coming out and you're going to be able to give water to the people and to their beasts I'm going to tell you, that's a lot of water. Probably a million, million and a half people and all of their animals. It's a lot of water. God said, I'm going to give it out of that rock if you'll just speak to the rock. So let's read on. Verse
1: 9. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord, and as he commanded him, Uh and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear ye now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? Now, now,
0: now, listen. Moses, the Bible says, was the meekest man on earth. But don't ever confuse meekness with weakness. Moses was not a weak man, but he was a meek man. But that meekness doesn't mean that he just turned his head at everything and anything. He'd been listening to these people grumble and complain. When God was giving them miracles every day, you understand that? Every day, every day they were having miracles. Number one, they were getting miracle bread every morning. They'd walk out of their tent and the bread would be on the ground every day, six days a week. And on the seventh day, there's none. There's no way you can write that off to a coincidence It was a miracle, and they saw it every day. The Bible says that for 40 years, their clothes and their shoes did not wear out. I'm telling you, every day they got up, and God had just renewed their garments. They were watching miracles every day, and they still complained. They found lots of things to complain. In fact, they're standing at this rock. The reason that Moses right now is so frustrated is because in spite of all the miracles, they're saying, we don't have any water. We're going to die. Why'd you bring us out here? We ought to just go back to Egypt. Go back and read it. They're saying we're going to die. God's performing a miracle every day, but we're going to die. And that's why Moses steps up and he
1: said, read that again. Verse 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Here now, ye rebels, You rebels! must we fetch you water out of this rock? Yeah. And Moses lifted up, he his, lifted hand, up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock N- twice. Now, now,
0: wait a minute, wait a minute. What did God tell Moses to do? He said, Speak to it. But what did Moses do? He spoke to the people and smote
1: the rock. He smote it twice, and what happened? And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also. And so in spite of Moses
0: letting his frustration get the upper hand, God still blessed the people. He still blessed the people, but
1: God's not finished. Verse 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believed me me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, Therefore, you shall Therefore, not bring this congregation. You shall
0: not bring this congregation
1: into the land which into I the have land given, them. Which
0: I've given Now, think about this: forty years, they've had to put up with murmuring, complaining, griping, grumbling, verbal attacks, questions about their leadership. They put up with it for forty years, but God said, in spite of all that. You don't get the reward. I mean, that's what they were waiting on, right? That's why their their their, their whole driving momentum and 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 uh, purpose was to go to the Promised Land. And God said, "You're not going. You're going to keep leading them. You're going to keep putting up with them, but you don't get the reward. Why? Because you hit the rock. Now." Look, that rock didn't feel it when Moses smote it. Rocks don't have feelings. Even pet rocks. Some of you don't know what those are. That was, that's really going back. This, this old man. You know, I guess every generation's had their crazy stuff. When we were kids, they actually had pet rocks go to the store and buy a pet rock. They weren't very smart. In fact, they were dumb as a box of rocks. (laughs) Anyhow, that rock didn't feel it when Moses smote it. It wasn't because he hurt the rock. There was another reason why God... Now, this is a severe punishment. You understand? 40 years, I'm looking forward to going to promised land. And God said, no, you get to put up with all the grumbling, all the complaining, all the fussing, all the fuming, but you don't get to go. That's pretty severe. And it was all because he hit a rock. But you see... It wasn't just any rock. It wasn't just any rock that Moses smote. Now, yes, it was physically a rock, just a rock, physically. But it was something more. This is not in your notes, but get get for me first Corinthians chapter ten and and verse number four. Now, again, all of this, we we read our text out of 1 Corinthians 11. So this is all Paul's dealing with these very things before he ever gets to chapter 11. So in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 4,
1: here's what Paul says about the very incident we're discussing. And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock. They drank from that spiritual rock that followed them. them. And that rock was Christ. That
0: rock was Christ. So he said there was a spiritual significance to what was going on here. God was establishing a symbol. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. He is the rock of ages. Christ was that rock. And the first time they needed water, the water couldn't come until the rock was smitten. But once the rock was smitten, the water became available. And Christ the rock was smitten before he ever provided the water he promised in John chapter 7. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Right? He that believeth on me as the scripture said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the spirit. So, But, but listen, that didn't come about. Until Christ was smitten. That spiritual drink was not provided for us until the rock was smitten. But where Moses went wrong is he was, Christ was only smitten once. And now when we need that spiritual drink, we don't put him back on the cross. We don't smite him again. Now we just talk to him. Now we just speak to him and whatever we need, we can speak to him in prayer. We can communicate with him through our worship, through our adoration. We bring our petitions to him. We make our situations known to him in a time of prayer. We don't smite him to get what we need. We speak to him and he provides. And so when Moses smote the rock a second time, he violated the symbol God had established God was using that rock as a picture of Christ but now according to Moses Christ was smitten twice and he violated the symbol God established all right now I don't have the authority to go around and set symbols and 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 all of that but But if God sets it, then God honors it. And there's a reason why I'm telling you all this. We go back to the communion service. And you understand that in as much as they were celebrating the Passover, if you go back and read in the book of Exodus when the Passover was established, there was more on the table that day than just the bread and the fruit of the vine. There was more on the table at Passover. Are you with me? What Jesus and his disciples partook of that night, there was more there than just the drink and the bread. But Jesus did not show significance to the other things that were there. The main thing was the lamb. They ate roasted lamb. That's where the blood had come from. At Passover. Are you following me tonight? They would slay the lamb, they would roast the lamb, but they'd save the blood back. And that's how what they put on the doorpost. But that lamb that they slew, they didn't just throw his carcass away, they roasted it and ate it. But inasmuch as Christ is our Passover lamb, we don't put lamb on the communion table. And Jesus didn't point to the lamb and tell us this has significance. Because he was the lamb. He was the lamb. So we don't bring lamb to communion because that's Jesus' role. There were bitter herbs there. I'm I'm, I'm taking way too much time here with all of this. but, But look. There were two things, only two things at that table that night that Jesus specifically addressed as having significance and representing something else. All right? First of all was the bread. Let's talk about that. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 24. Paul is Telling us again about what to do as we partake of this service. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24.
1: And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, Take, eat. This is my body. This which is, is broken my for you. body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. This do
0: in remembrance of me. So Jesus took the bread and he said, This bread symbolizes my body. All right, it symbolizes my body. Now, we, we do not believe in the doctrine of transubstantiation. That's a big word that probably most of you will not remember after you leave this service tonight. But transubstantiation is a doctrine that says that at the communion service, that bread literally turns into Christ's body. That when you put it in your mouth, it literally becomes flesh. That's not the case just as that rock that Moses smote and was supposed to speak to did not turn into a person. It remained a rock, but God honored the symbol as though it was the person. And so God here has established a symbol when he picked up the bread and he said, going forward, this bread represents my body. Now, why would he do that? Well, John 6 and 35, he, he, he told us this. Read John 6 and 35.
1: And Jesus said unto them. Jesus said to them. I am the bread of I life.
0: I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. In fact, look, you understand why would he be born in Bethlehem? Well, there's a few reasons. One is that it was the city of David. The city David came from. But, but do you understand Bethlehem? Bethlehem is the Hebrew word for house Bethlehem, the house of bread. Did you know that's what Bethlehem means? It means the house of bread. And so the bread of life was born in the house of bread. Hallelujah. And he said, I am the bread of life. And he said, whoever eats, whoever comes to me will never hunger. He that believes on me will never thirst and, and listen, we understand that what we take tonight is just bread, but really in God's eyes, it's more than that. When we honor it in his house, he's here. He sees it as a symbol. He recognizes it to mean what he instituted it to mean on that first night. That bread is not just bread, but it represents something of great significance. It's in small pieces because his body was broken for us. And as we look at the small pieces of bread that are there, it's a reminder to us of the price he paid when they smote him, when they pierced his side, when they ripped his back open with the cat of nine tails. When they drove the nails through his hands and his feet. The way that his body was broken at Calvary. When we look at those pieces of bread. We understand that represents the broken body of our Lord. And he did it not because he deserved it. Not because he was worthy of it. He did it for our sakes. He did it because that's what I deserved. That's what should have happened to me. Calvary was my cross that was my crown of thorns it should have been on my head I'm the one that sinned I'm the one that did wrong are you hearing me tonight this is what we've got to understand we're looking at a dish with some bread in it but really we're looking at so much more we are being reminded that when we should have died he came to this earth and did it for us he allowed his body to be broken in order to take our our sins, our transgressions our sicknesses upon himself now I'll tell you this is why this is why we don't just bring in uh, I don't even know what brands they've got today bread, we don't just go down to the store and just buy a loaf of bread but there's a special kind of bread it needs to be used because remember, this is a symbol, this represents something, and most bread that you buy has got something in it that also represents something. There is an element that causes the bread to rise, it's called yeast, or the Bible calls it leaven. And so when we partake of bread, we make sure it's unleavened bread. In fact, that's what the Lord commanded at Passover, that they were, in fact, to get all the leaven out of their houses. There wasn't even supposed to be any leaven in their homes during the Passover season.
1: And there's a reason why. Read for us 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast. Not with old leaven, leaven. neither with the leaven of malice malice and wickedness, wickedness, but with the unleavened
0: bread bread of sincerity sincerity and 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 truth. And so you understand leaven throughout the scripture always symbolized sin. It symbolized wickedness. It symbolized unrighteousness. It symbolized bad attitudes. It symbolized wrong spirits, wrong actions. And, and the Lord said, the bread I want you using for this shouldn't have any leaven in it. We got to get rid of all that stuff. Now, remember, the bread is representing the body of Christ. And so Christ had no sin in him. And leaven represents sin. And if you use leavened bread during this time when this bread means so much in the eyes of God, then you're saying Christ's body had sin in it, which it didn't. And so what you're going to see are little flat pieces of bread. It didn't rise because there's no leaven in it. Hallelujah. We're representing a sinless Christ. Hallelujah. Now, I said there were two things the Lord pointed out, and, and one was the bread. And hopefully you understand the significance for that. Let's talk about the other. The other was that glass, that cup that he took and drank from. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25.
1: After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is a New Testament of my, in my blood. Yes. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, let me tell you, here's what he
0: said. He said, just like the bread represents my body. What you're about to drink represents my blood. All right. Two things that we are remembering in this celebration. This is what it took to set us free the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. Are you still with me? I know it's getting late. I hope you're still with me here tonight. These are the two things it it took to give us our freedom, the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. And so we have unleavened bread to show a sinless Christ. And then we have the drink. Now, I know not everybody agrees with this. But as your pastor, I'm telling you why I do it this way. I I don't use wine at the Lord's table. Because wine can only become wine when it ferments. And for it to ferment, that's a dying process. And it requires The same thing we took out of the bread. It requires leaven. It requires yeast. And I'm telling you, to me, how silly it would be, how inconsistent, I should say, it would be to say we're not going to have any leaven in the bread, but we've got it in the cup. Hey, not only did his body not have sin, his blood sure didn't. And that's why he wasn't born from an earthly father because he didn't get Adam's sinful genes passed on to him. His blood was not just any blood, but his blood, Peter said, was precious blood. It was unlike any other blood. It it did what no other blood could ever do. The blood of bulls and goats, the book of Hebrews tells us could never take away sin. There was a remembering again, he said, every year, every time they went back and offered that sacrificial lamb, they had to be reminded of all their past sin. But we're not just sacrificing bulls, goats, lambs, but we have Christ our Passover and his body was sinless And his blood was sinless. And there's no death in his blood. There's only life. Are you getting this tonight? There's only life in his blood. It's because of his blood that we escape death. And so I'm not going to take a cup and fill it with something that is dying. And that's what wine is. The juice has begun to die as it ferments. And I'm not, look, there's no death in his blood. He saved us from death by his blood. Amen. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth on me shall never die. That's what he said. There's no death for us. Amen. We just fall asleep and awake in the arms of Jesus. He took away the sting of death. Because of him, we can say, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? It's because of the life-giving power of the blood of Jesus Christ that we don't live under the threat of death. And so we are going to use unfermented juice, no leaven. Amen. Another reason why we do it, we'll just throw this in before I move on. Romans 14 and 13 says this.
1: Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put his stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way.
0: Now, now you know, the first, when, I, when I first came into the church, young boy, and uh, didn't have family in church, and so much i didn't know about god didn 't know about the Bible, but I remember very clearly my my pastor, the man that prayed me through to the Holy Ghost. I remember him talking about when he taught on communion, he talked about how God had saved him, that he had been an alcoholic. And he said, I'm telling you from the day that God saved me, I've not had a drink of alcohol since then. He said, but I don't know what would happen even at communion if I picked up a cup and drank it again and tasted it again. That was my taskmaster, he said, for so many years, controlled my life for so many years. And I don't know what kind of impact it would have if I went back and even drank one cup of it. I've never forgotten that. The apostle Paul said, do we read that Romans 14 verse 13?
1: Let us therefore not Let us judge, therefore. judge one another anymore. Right? But rather, but judge this rather, right? that no man, no put, man block, put a stumbling block or an occasion, or to, an fall an occasion to fall way. in his
0: brother's way. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've never had alcohol. I've never been a drunkard. I don't know anything about it. It probably wouldn't cause me to want to go hit the bars because I drink a little cup of wine at communion uh, once a year. Probably not going to do that, Brother Nelson. But, but I'm not going to put a stumbling block in front of my brother. I'm not going to give him him an occasion he meant to look back on the beggarly elements of this old world I'm not going to set something there that God delivered him from and say this is your way of celebrating deliverance is to go back and partake of what held you in bondage hallelujah I'm not I'm not trying to throw stones at others that see it other ways but I feel like as your pastor I owe you an explanation as to why we do it the way we do it. And I believe I've got scriptural basis for it. Now let me let me try to hurry here. One, one other thing we need to deal with is, is the question of timing. How often should we take communion? Well, you know, I've, I've done my best through the years. If the Bible doesn't give us a clear answer and I can't find even principles to go on, then it's best for me to just kind of leave it alone and not try to make something up myself. Amen. But if the Bible gives me some principles and I've got something to go on, but, but, but here's a situation, you want to know how often should we do it? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us how often we do it. I do know, I do know he said this ought to be a memorial forever. It should never stop. It ought to be going on forever. The other thing I know about it, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, 26.
1: For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. All right, so
0: first of all, he just said, as oft as you do it. Sounds to me like he's giving us the liberty to decide how often we want to do it. Right? However often you do it. The second thing is, He said we ought to show the Lord's death until he come. So that makes it clear. I don't know how many times a year we ought to do it. This much I know we don't want to quit doing it till the Lord comes. And so, if we do it once a year or twice a year, we skip a year. It's just we don't want to quit doing it. We don't want to. We don't want to lay this practice aside. Ever so often, we need to go back and be reminded of how good God's been to us and how He has delivered us from this world of bondage. And I want to tell you, this is. I said I'd come back to this. Paul is much, much more concerned about how we do it than he was how often we do it. Let me show you what I mean. First Corinthians 11 verse 27.
1: Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord.
0: Uh, again, I, I, I hearken back. Those of you who know my story, just a young, young boy 12 years old, God saved me, and nobody in my family living for God, and I knew nothing about the Bible whatsoever, and I still remember my first communion service, I remember the pastor preaching, and I remember, and I don't know if all this is coming back, I, I actually, I don't want to take too much of your time, but I had, uh, I, my old pastor, is 90s something, the, the man that prayed me through to the Holy Ghost in his 90s now, and uh, uh, he's, he's almost blind, and and, uh, struggling with, with Alzheimer's and, and, um, still remembers some things hasn't completely lost all of his memory. And I had the privilege. Uh, I think it was yesterday. His grandson went to visit him and, and, uh, recorded a little video on his phone, uh, with him saying hello to me. And I guess that's why all this is on my, on my mind tonight. But, but I, I remember the first time I heard him teach on it and, and, uh, he 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 read this verse and he didn't he didn't explain it that night. He he just read this verse and it said, Whoever drinks uh eats this bread and drinks this cup unworthily shall be guilty of the body and, and, and blood of the Lord. And I, brother golf, I, I I sat out there and I said, God, I'm not worthy. I I can't do this. He's 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 preached about this in the church.